0: Mike Rags, and Todd Burlich with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk. It's the Blue Gold
1: Report. Welcome to another Blue and Gold Report. We start on a somber note tonight. A good friend of the show, a good friend of the entire company, Federated Media, Ron Stryker, has passed away this week. Um, our our prayers are with him and his family. Great guy. I work right across the hall from him, and he would come in here when, I, when, when I'm not all equipped to push buttons and spin knobs sometimes. He was always gracious enough to come in here and help me and pick on me while he was doing it. So, uh, again, God bless De'Ron Stryker and his family. Um, seems a little trivial at this point, but we will move on to a couple blue-gold nuggets. Let's start with some women's hoops. Uh, Natalie Aquara. She will be inducted into the Ring of Honor at Notre Dame. She will be the sixth woman's player to do so. She played from Notre Dame from 2010 to 2014. She went to four straight Final Fours, three title games. Her record as a player here was 138-15, and not too shabby. And again, she'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame on November 8th at the home game there. She finished her career here with 1,546 points. We will move on to some football news. Not necessarily great news, but we have to talk about the injury to Jafar Armstrong. It was it was considered a soft tissue injury, a groin injury. We'll have to wait and see. It looks like about five weeks Brian Kelly's calling it, so we'll see how that goes. Obviously a big hit. They have a little bit of depth. Tony Jones Jr. did a good job in the, in the Louisville game with 100-plus yards, the second 100-plus yard game of his career. So the numbers are thinning out there. But I think Notre Dame can handle it as long as nothing happens to Tony Jones Jr. I think that's going to be basically what we're talking about is no injuries to him uh, allowed. Speaking of injuries, some good news on this front. Cole Komet is moving along nicely. The tight end, who obviously suffered the collarbone injury, moving along very nicely. Actually, Brian Kelly indicated this week that he even thinks that Cole Komet could play against New Mexico this weekend if need be. I don't think it need be, and there's no reason to brush him into action, I wouldn't think, as a five-touchdown favorite against the Lobos. So I don't expect to see Cole Komet in this week here. He will uh, sit this one out and hopefully be ready to go for the Georgia game a week from now. Uh, along the same line, wide receiver Michael Young, who had that same collarbone broken injury. He seems to be recovering well. His injury happened a week behind Cole Komet, so therefore he's running a week behind Cole Komet. Wouldn't expect to see him at Georgia, but he seems to be on pace to be coming back quickly after that. So a little bit of good news on the injury front there. I want to go back to uh, Louisville. We talked about it at length last week, uh, but Brian Kelly had a chance to expand on it a little bit. 35-17 35-17 win, obviously 18 point win on the road against a power five team, not bad, you know, pretty impressive stuff. It's kind of what you're looking for. But, uh, at the same time, there was certain a lot of certainly a lot of question marks there as well, and it sort of reminded me a little bit of sort of that stretch early last season when you had the Ball State Valpo back to back sort of debacles. Notre Dame won, they survived, they didn't look very good doing it, no style points there whatsoever. Uh, but it, it was a little bit a little bit troubling. and Brian Kelly, we, we talked with him at length about what he saw, what he didn't see, what he liked, what he didn't like. And he basically said he thought the guys were trying too hard. and and I respected that to a point. You know, he said these guys come out, they really want to win every game. they want to blow out every team. And he said, you know what, guys, it's just time to chill out a little bit. Back it off, back it off. Instead of looking game by game or even broader than that, six games up the line, you have to think about six seconds at a time. Six seconds at a time was sort of his point. We have to play for these moments. We can't sit here and absolutely think about the full season in game one every play. And, and and I'll touch on the veterans here in a little bit. And, and he did say that he thought that the younger guys actually did a better job of handling that than the veteran guys. And, and, and I kind of got his point. They were really pressing early on, and it is a different team. You know, you're missing Drew Tranquil. You're listening. Uh, you're missing Tavon Coney. You're missing a lot of other leaders on this team. So you started looking. You're you're looking to build leadership here, and that's still a work in progress. Very much. And I, I just I kind of liked how he kind of revisited here. Let me pop in a clip here on Brian Kelly talking about his thoughts on how Louisville went.
0: We got a little bit outside of ourselves and and put a little bit of a we got to win every game we play instead of worrying about every play we play, <laughs> and 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 that really is uh, the focus of, of of our football team and getting back to uh... what's most important and that is um, six seconds trusting our technique uh... and and really that um, being the focus not i gotta make plays i've got to do these things that are 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 going to help us win uh... don't worry about winning focus much more on how you can be the best player you can be through uh... your technique and uh... trusting it um, and I think you'll see that this week. He is uh, the focus of, of, of our football team and getting back to uh, what's most important. And that is um, six seconds, um, uh, trusting our technique, uh, and, and really um, that being the focus, not I've got to make plays. I've got to do these things that are, are, are going to help us win. Uh, don't worry about winning focus much more on how you can be the best player you can be through uh, your technique and uh, trusting it, um, and I think you'll see that this week.
1: So Brian Kelly's exactly right when he talks about you know a lot to work on. The third downs were bad. Uh, what were they? 5 of 12, 0 one on fourth downs. The, the slow start, you can't have a sluggish start against teams like Georgia, Michigan, etc., and I think Brian Kelly is fighting against sort of those situational moments that he ended up against. And I, I respected what he said. All his points are correct. You have to move on. It's a it's an opener, so let's not get too crazy about it. And again, it seemed like the veteran players, and we talked about it last week. You know, you're talking about the front-line guys. You know, you're talking about Heinisch up front and O'Quara and Kareem, all those guys and Daylon Hayes, they combined for eight tackles. Meanwhile, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, he had nine on his own. And you go back to Lohi Gilman, he had ten on his own. Both of those guys actually out-tackled the entire front starting line with a bunch of veteran players. And I think that's what Brian Kelly's really getting at, is we absolutely have to get these veterans back in order here. And actually, here's Brian Kelly talking about that.
0: They care so much. Um, and they are so committed to what we want to accomplish that sometimes it gets in the way of their performance and, and that performance is focusing on their technique, focusing on the little details of their position. They just, um, again, want it so bad and, and there's nothing wrong with that. They just have to emotionally get it centered into uh, the right position so they can focus on the little details of their position, and they will. And uh, they all did a nice job this past week of really uh, refocusing and focusing on the most important things, and uh, I think you'll see a, a big difference in those guys.
1: All right, so we move on from Louisville. It is what it is. It was a rather uninspiring win, but Rags, you mentioned it last week that indeed it, it might have been the best formula for victory instead of coming in, beating a team 49 nothing on the road, everybody celebrating him, moving up to number 5 in the poll and all that stuff. And rather than that, they came out of that with some stuff to work on, some stuff to gripe about as coaches, some stuff to work on big time, and that's what Brian Kelly did. And it was an interesting dynamic because what happened was Notre Dame comes off the season opener, and then they have a bye week. It's the first time in Brian Kelly's 20-plus year career where they've had to do that, where he's had a bye after his first week. And then you come into a kind of, oh, I mean, let's let's call it what it is, a lousy opponent in New Mexico. Notre Dame's a 35-point favorite. And then you're obviously peeking ahead to Georgia the following week. But, but Brian Kelly was trying to figure out how exactly, how do I do this? How do I do this as a coaching staff? We don't want to necessarily shut it down. I mean, typically, if a bye week comes in the middle of the season, you want to rest your guys. They're beat up, they're banged up, and you want to kind of give them a break. This is game two. This is, this is between week one and week three here, so you kind of want to keep them fresh. And I respected what Brian Kelly was doing with that. He sent him out there, they had a, they, they had scrimmages at the stadium. It was really an exercise in trying to keep the guys fresh, but yet banging around, you know, tackling. He was a little uncomfortable because like he mentioned, the collarbone injury the collarbone injuries to both Komet and Young happened in one on one drills where there was contact taking guys to the ground type of drills. And so he he got away from that. He said, all right, we're not doing that anymore, but we are going to do some hitting, some tackling, some full-out scrimmage stuff this week. And and I think that was a good plan for Brian Kelly. He even seemed a little—I was actually at the radio show on Thursday, and he talked about we weren't really quite sure how to approach this. It was a little bit of a new dynamic for him and his coaching staff. He he kind of thought, you know what, what— How do we do this? We want to keep the guys fresh, yet we want to have them still in full contact. And and I I think I I got the impression that Brian Kelly and his staff really did find a nice balance with with what he was trying to do. I do. um, I, I respected what he did. And, you know, he went back and forth about, again, trying to guard against injury, but yet trying to keep the guys fresh in the second week of the season. It, it, is a, it is a balancing act that I don't think a lot of coaches have faced where you get a bye week after week one. And you know what? He, he actually kind of broke it down a little bit better than I can here. Here's Brian Kelly talking about sort of the objectives of what he what he put his team through during this bye week.
0: I didn't want to go a full week without contact and tackling. So we tackled, we scrimmaged, saying we had a 50-play scrimmage, but we, we got some live tackling in there with our ones, our key backups. We worked on special situations that I didn't think that we were quite um, up to snuff in and, and really spent a lot of time on those in particular. And then and then added some New Mexico into that as well. So, um, And they were long practices. They were two-hour practices. So it was a physically demanding and a mentally demanding week for our team. Putting together a practice plan you know with a buy-in week two it's important to maintain a level of conditioning that you've you know set yourself up for at the at the beginning of the season and to back off you you won't have your football team playing its best football so um we needed to have a similar week as if it was a normal game and then on saturday we scrimmaged Um, and we Didn't have a full game scrimmage, but we needed to stay in the groove relative to the way we set up our preseason and the way we set up our preseason camp. So uh, that plus we needed to clean up some things from the Louisville game. Um, And third, it it gave us an opportunity to uh, do a a little advance work on New Mexico.
1: Obviously, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be cleaned up after the Louisville game. Okay, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. The third down play was bad, and the veterans didn't play very well either. I mean, I mentioned the the four mainstays on the defensive line recording eight tackles. Chris Fink didn't do a very good job. I didn't feel like uh, with one catch for two yards. I didn't feel like Ian Book played very well at quarterback. Five of 12 on third downs, and a couple of those came late. I think uh, Ian Book went three of three on that last sort of game clinching drive, so they were really bad early on in third downs. And those were the sort of situational plays I think that Brian Kelly was trying to focus on, rightfully so, because there were a lot of problems when you go back and look at that Louisville game. You, you really had to clean up, and I think there were problems that were unexpected because they came from the veterans and they came from a lot of areas that, that nobody really thought they were going to come from. So in that respect, I think that Brian Kelly put together a good plan for sure. And I I like what he's going with moving forward here. It's about improvement with this team. I asked him tonight during the radio show about what exactly, you know, Brian Kelly mentioned what is going to be, he would find out more about the identity of this team After week one, because and Rags and I actually said that we weren't sure exactly what that was going to be, Brian Kelly indicated he didn't know what it was going to be, and I thought that was a little eye-catching that he wasn't sure what he had. Typically, I think he knows indeed, all right, this is going to be a dominant team defensively. This is going to be a high-scoring, high-powered offense. It is what it is. Uh, This year, he kind of said, I'm going to have to sort of wait and see, which I found a little bit troubling. I still don't feel like Brian Kelly knows exactly what he had. He said, you know what, we found out a few things during the Louisville game. We have a, a basically a blend of old and new, which I think is good news. Um, and he thinks when that all comes together and meshes together, he's going to have one heck of a football team. But when he said that going into the Louisville game that he would know more coming out of the Louisville game when it came to what kind of identity this team had, I don't think he knows any more than the rest of us. And In all honesty, we're just not going to find out a heck of a lot more against New Mexico. We just aren't. I'm going to break into New Mexico here in a second and it won't take a hell of a long time to do it because they are not a very good football team. But I like Brian Kelly's assessment that I still really don't know. The only thing he really takes away from the Louisville game is that Okay, I have a lot of young guys that can play well and can mesh with the veterans. Once this coaching staff sort of gets this mix, they feel like, yes, indeed, it can be a really good football team. I don't disagree with them, but you don't have a lot of time to figure that out. Okay, You can kind of mull around here with New Mexico this weekend, but guess what? You're in Athens, Georgia against a top-five team the following week. Brian Kelly has never beaten a top-five team In his coaching career, he's 0-4 at Notre Dame here, so you better be ready to go, and you better get that chemistry and identity figured out a little bit more between now and then. We'll see if that can happen. Again, I I don't know what you're going to find out. I suppose the bye week will help. I'm sure the bye week will help. That gives the coaches a lot of, of teaching points from what they failed on against Louisville, and they can move those forward to New Mexico. A little bit of injury problems still on the offensive side of things that still need to be sorted out. I think Notre Dame will be ready to go. I just I'm, I'm just not feeling like this team has that strong identity that you need to go down to Athens, Georgia, and beat what right now ranks as the number three team in the country. That seems like a tall task to me. After what I saw against Louisville, maybe after I watch this team play against New Mexico, I'll feel a bit little bit differently. Speaking of New Mexico, let's see what we have here. Let me find my notes here. I've made a mess of these tonight. Let's see, we all know Bob Davy will not be here. Uh, he was the head coach here from 97 to 2001. He was an assistant under Lou Holtz from 94 to 96. As a head coach, he was 35 and 25. He had a, he's had an interesting career at New Mexico, and again, he's not going to be here. He's going to be replaced by an interim coach because he had the health issues in his opening game against South, uh, Sam Houston State in a 39-31 win. Um, when Bob Davey took over this team, he actually did a wonderful job. Um, that team had won only one game three years in a row. Um, and he was hired in, in 2015, or I'm sorry, he turned it around in 2015 and went 7-6. and six. And then in 2016, went 9-4 and four and won a bowl game. That hadn't happened in, in years and years at New Mexico. Kind of went south from there. Three wins here in 17, 3-9 and 17, 3-9 and 18. And then had some issues, had some big-time off-the-field issues with some uh, sort of scandalous-type stuff. Just seems like they weren't so much worried about the wins and losses this year Is other than Bob Davey to keep his program clean, which is uh, never really a, <laughs> it's not a strong vote of confidence, to be honest with you. But indeed, he started out hot, won a bowl game. This team uh, had won no games whatsoever. They've never won that Mountain West Conference in the entire time they've been in it. Looked like he had him on the rebound, looked like it was going well. 3-9-17, hot seat this year. They are 1-0. Again, they beat Sam Houston State, thirty nine thirty one. 31 Bob David was so excited to send him to the hospital. I, I thought I'd throw this in here because it's hard. I, I'm not going to sit here and break down New Mexico's uh, strengths and weaknesses. So the best I could do for you all was in the history of Notre Dame, Three players from New Mexico have been on the roster. So that's what I got for you. That's what I got for you as far as breaking down offense and defense when it comes to the Lobos. It was a defensive back, Rod Bone. Played actually next to Dave Dorson from 79 to 82. He was good and actually started and and played well. Ended up getting injured and kind of fizzled here later in his career. But indeed, he was uh, starting next to Dave Dorson. There was a walk-on running back by the name of Rick Lanzano, from 90 to 92, really not a lot there to report. I'm sure Rick Lanzano is a finance uh, finance seer somewhere by now. A more l- a recent guy, Matt Haggerty, you guys might remember him. Um, he actually replaced Nick Martin at center when Nick Martin got hurt in 2013. Uh, started for him for three games and then actually started all 13 games in 2014. Uh, was a solid player, solid offensive lineman for sure. Uh, and ended up taking his grand tr- grad transfer year in 2015 to Oregon. The other thing I wanted to mention about Notre Dame here, it, it, finally, for the longest time, they actually have a home field advantage. And certainly you wouldn't need a huge home field advantage when you talk about New Mexico. At least you wouldn't think so. But indeed, Notre Dame has actually won 11 straight games dating back to that Georgia, that, that disappointing Georgia loss in 2017. They've won every game since then at home. That had been a while since Notre Dame really established itself as a home field force. Uh, but Brian Kelly's really done a nice job. 11 straight at home. You would assume 12 straight here coming up. And I was kind of looking back here. Brian Kelly actually has three, already has three undefeated home seasons 2012, 2015, and 2018. And looking at the schedule this year with only two teams that had winning records, you're talking about Virginia and Boston College on the home schedule this year, certainly looks like that 2019 would also be another potential undefeated home season. So as we look at that, Brian Kelly was absolutely asked. He said, you know what, uh, what about home, home field advantage? This is indeed Notre Dame's home opener. And here's how he broke down what it means to come back and play at home again.
0: It's always great playing at home. I mean, sleeping in your own bed, we've got a great routine. The home field advantage is real with our fans. Um, it's gotten better and better in my time here in terms of, you know, just uh, the uh, the support that we have. Our Our students are great. They're engaged. They're part of it you know the video graphics and the jumbotron and add to the game day experience uh... that we're feeling uh, but at the end of the day you gotta play exciting football and you gotta play good football to get everybody uh... enthusiastic so it's our job to put a great product on the field one that's exciting one that people want to see um, and and our players recognize that it's important for them to play well at home uh... they talk about we talk about protecting our house and Quite frankly, it's part of the things that we do in our summer works that they want to be in our stadium and they want to play their very best in front of the crowd.
1: And, indeed, Notre Dame hasn't necessarily blown everybody out at home, but they've done a good job. Um, And certainly when you look at what was happening under Charlie Weiss getting beat by Team... Well, well, actually, look at what happened earlier in Brian Kelly's career, getting beat by your Louisvilles and your Tulsas and, and... There was a lot going on when you go back to Charlie Weiss, you talk about Syracuse. There were a lot of horrific, upset losses that were going down uh, during those times. So it does seem like Brian Kelly has indeed established a home field advantage. I think I'm going to accentuate some of his points. You know, some of the when you talk about the Jumbotron and you talk about the field turf. And you talk about the cross, uh, the Campus Crossroads Project and everything that goes on around the stadium now. I think, indeed, that everything that has gone into this is helping the home field advantage. I know the crusty traditionalists didn't like that, any of that. They wanted their little wooden bleachers with their splinter up their asses and sm- sandwiched in. But you know what? You have to give these people what they want. You have to give the folks what they want. Times have changed and I think Brian Kelly has been out front of that. I actually spent some time at the new indoor facility, practice facility. It is an amazing place. It's an amazing place, and it can only help the football team. It's its own sort of goog, and it gives the guys a place to go and to gather. It allows the punters to kick without hitting the roof. And I think I think of all the things, I disagree with Brian Kelly on a lot of issues here. I truly have. But I think one thing he's done is really stayed out front of we need to keep up with technology and facilities and everything. And and I don't know that Charlie Weiss was equipped to do that. I'm not saying he wasn't. I know he was arguing for better nutrition and some other things and some better facilities. But I think that Brian Kelly and his staff have done a great job of staying out in front of those types of things. And it's showing, and it really is showing in recruiting as they continue to now pile on top Ten classes, you know, instead of top 15 classes, I saw where the 21, 2021 class, which is so early to start rating these classes. It's a top five class at this point. And again, things will change. That's the 21, 20, uh, the twenty twenty one class. So let's not get too ahead of ourselves. But I think with all these campus improvements that Notre Dame is doing, it does give them a better home field advantage and certainly it helps recruiting and therefore it helps performance on the field. Folks, that's going to wrap it up. This has been your Blue Gold Report. I was ragless. I should have mentioned it earlier in the show. Rags is uh, obviously out and about uh, doing some sentimental stuff. Our show has been brought to you by Dio McComan Sons Funeral Homes in Fort Wayne there. Thank you all for joining me. It's been a great time, and we'll chat with you next week. This has been a presentation
0: of Optin Productions.